his issue of not being connected with communities comes from who he is as a person. Mm. And who he is as a person, he's just not that guy. He does not connect with people. And I'm not saying that's a, that doesn't make him bad. It just makes him a not a Philadelphian who's qualified to be mayor. Mm. Philadelphians who, who become mayor can look different. They can be a man. They can be a woman. They can be black. They can be white. But they all love the job. And two, they all love the fight for people. And they may even disagree. But John Street never dealt with two different types of people. But they love that job. They love people. And they love fighting for people. Jim Kenney doesn't show that passion. Mm. There's no urgency in his policies. Mm. You know? That was State Senator Anthony Hardy Williams, a mayoral candidate. I'm Flood the Drummer, and this is Drumming for Justice. It's May 7th, 2019. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. This morning at 10 a.m., the Philadelphia Black Clergy and Vicinity announced their endorsements for the May 21st primary election. While the organization couldn't reach a consensus on the race for sheriff, they did all agree on, among other races, a mayoral candidate. And his name is Mr. Anthony Hardy Williams, who currently serves as a state senator for the 8th District, a position he's held since 1998. Mr. Williams ran for mayor in 2015 and received this group's endorsement. However, clergy was split four years ago. Some supported the state senator, while others supported former city councilman Jim Kinney. Mr. Kinney won in a landslide, in a large part due to the black vote. But this year, things are different. The Philadelphia black clergy is united behind Mr. Williams and furthermore are incredibly disappointed by Mr. Kinney, who they said failed to live up to expectations. Here's a bit of sound from the Reverend Jay Broadnax, president of Philadelphia Black Clergy. Let us say that the tone of leadership in the city is set from the top in the mayor's office. All right. All right. All right. While we had high hopes for a positive direction, in many ways, the people we are seeing in our community are disappointed with what has resulted. Right. and unsatisfied with the direction that things are headed in. We believe that the mayor's office must be accessible, must be inclusive, and must execute policy that works for everyone. That's right. And must be willing to concede or negotiate when things aren't working, rather than doubling down and being insistent and defensive. Right. Right. We believe that the current administration has not kept its promises. promises promised inclusion in both hiring and contracts but from the transition team to the current cabinet, those involved have not reflected the diversity in the community. And in city contracts and building trades, there remains a lack of diversity. Promise to end, stop, and frisk. There seems to be a doubling down on this inherently biased policy, where although the number of stops has decreased, the percentage of those involving people of color has not decreased. It is promised to be accessible, Yet a faith-based office or even a panel is still not a part of the cabinet or administrative structure. Black clergy and our partners feel we need to go in a new direction. Therefore, we are endorsing Anthony Hardy Williams. The state senator was present this morning to respond to the endorsement. And respond, he surely did. With an amen chorus backing him, 
Mr. Williams spoke about gun violence, poverty, jobs, and his and others' frustration with Mayor Jim Kinney. But rather than continue to describe his remarks, how about I let you hear them? Here you go. This city is still known as the poorest big city in America. We spent a billion dollars in three and a half years and we haven't moved the needle one item on jobs. This city is concerned about, as our mayor tweets about Donald Trump, that we all clearly are going to send a message to next year. Our potholes and our streets are filthy and not filled. That's the job of an administration. Our public schools, and yes, I say our public schools, need not be fighting because, frankly, all of us should be fighting about more money for public schools. And we have a plan that doesn't require you to raise your taxes. $150 million towards public education coming from this administration. Also noting, though, that we have to move in a different direction, not gradually. We can't brag about incremental growth in public education. We have to redirect our children to understand there are jobs out there. We have to prepare them for them. And most importantly, the building trades need to open up the place so that our children have those jobs. We have to be clear that many people have worked for years and toiled to have their homes. And now they're concerned that gentrification by a broken assessment system, which people admit is broken, has not stopped, continues to rob them of their money, and most importantly, are putting them out their homes. That is wrong. Yes. And lastly, most significantly, you cannot have a civilized society where men and women, grandmothers and children, are shot down on a daily basis, and all we do is note them in a newspaper. All of us have been in those rallies where we pray for those lost souls in Columbine and Parkland and those synagogues, and we should. But how do 100 people, 100 plus people since the start of the year, all they get in the newspaper is four people dead yesterday in Southwest Philadelphia. That's somebody's grandmother, someone's child, someone's parent, and no, despite the, the, the perception, they're not all drug dealers. That's right. That's right. That's right. They're human beings. Why have we not done what we did with the opioid epidemic? Remember, crack when we sort of, sort of slipped past that short fast? And now we've arrived at an opioid epidemic in America. And frankly, many of us have family members who are caught up in it. So we should declare it an epidemic. But when you have a death epidemic, should you not stop and require an emergency in the city of Philadelphia? Should we not have a state of emergency in the city of Philadelphia where it says, America, we're going to stop this? Yes. And by the way, President, Governor, and Mayor, should you not be included in the resources to support our community to stop this? Yes. We have the ability to do that. We did it with gang war in the 70s in Philadelphia. We had the highest number of homicides in any place in the country before the Bloods and the Crips was Philadelphia. We stopped it in a year. By the way, the mayor then was Frank Rizzo. If Frank Rizzo can acknowledge the death of a black person, should not Jim Kennedy acknowledge the death of black people? We will have a cabinet level position dedicated to this specific outcome that will measure in real time using experiences of the past a Benny Swan's model coupled with a John Street uh, 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 curfew center. We will use the technology they're currently using in New York City when they have live apps where police officers can see on their phone live shootings so they can deploy a police department in a strategic way. We will use the insight of behavioral health, addiction, job training, 
under that umbrella, knowing full well when you bring somebody in, you gotta you gotta take care of the day totally different than you did in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're gonna hire those young that generation is causing mayhem in our community back. We're gonna put them in a place of power. And most importantly for all of us who are gathered here today, this campaign requires one thing. Understand there is a strategic, and I'm glad the pastor mentioned it, there's a strategy. The turnout should be lower. Mm -hmm. have, it usually happens that Republicans do that. But I want you to be very clear, our Democratic friends are participating in that process. And as Cecil Moore used to say, you may be my color, but you just may not be my kind. God bless them. I wish them no harm. But I want us to march past the polls. That's right. The megaphone of this group can't stop anybody. Understand, when I first started this campaign, it was a mountain. They made it a hill. David did face the lot. And it didn't require a machine gun. It's just one rock. Yeah. In this case, it's one vote. On Sunday. On Saturdays, on Friday, whatever your day of faith is, all I need you to say is, you gotta go vote. Yeah. Yeah. And here are the people we need to vote for. They're gonna hand you a piece of literature on that May 21st. It may be a bit confusing, because our names may not be on it. But understand something, it is written. Without a doubt. You go to your churches, you go to your synagogues, you go to your mosque, you tell your folks what the deal is, they're gonna follow. Because guess what? One thing I want to press on, this is the super voter crowd here. These people are the voters. Going on the glory. He started his career just in a place like this, grassroots politics. Hand-to-hand -hand combat, fried chickens, raising money. I'm glad I'm back here with you. People told me last time, Tony, you know, you really weren't connected with us. You didn't really resonate with us. God humbled me to bring me here and where I'm today. I am, it is not about Tony. It's not about me. It's about we. It's the power of us. Because frankly, it what Philadelphia should look like and will look like in the next election cycle. God bless you. Thank you so very much. After his remarks in front of clergy, Mr. Williams spoke to a gaggle of reporters and explained why this year's endorsement is different from the one he received from the group in 2015. He also managed to take a jab at the incumbent. We did get their endorsement last time, but it wasn't enough. Well, Why would it be different this time? Because it was divided. So openly, we all admit that the last time I got the endorsement, there was division within the clergy. So they endorsed me, but it wasn't a unified endorsement. There were people in that um, body who supported Jim Kenney. And um, matter of fact, the gentleman who spoke, you know, the chairman, uh, Broadnax, was supporting Jim Kenney. Uh, Mark Tyler supported Jim Kenney, a known, you know, African-American progressive. Um, and so this body is broader. It has, you know, women and Muslims and Christians, and it is all unified in an organized way. Do you think it's safe to say that it's also what helped is that everyone is perceiving, or at least a good part is perceiving, Kenny did not have done a good job? That there's a, a, a widespread disappointment so, on a variety of issues? Yeah, there's a widespread, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Mm -hmm. uh, widespread disappointment. And, I, and, and that's why I think he's running the manner he's running, because, he, mm. you know, I don't, I mean, really, I mean, no matter how many commercials that you put on television, you can't change what you've already done. Mm -hmm. So there's no taking it back. So his ceiling of popularity is capped and whatever mm -hmm. it is today, it's going down. Mm -hmm. um, what he wants to make sure is that people don't know that there's an option, an alternative, 
that represents a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the public generally feels, like you just described it, significantly disappointed about the conditions they live in. Um, and, and frankly, they haven't seen the part of Jim that I've seen, that mm-hmm. is um, being removed. I mean, he gets the, he's not a bad guy. Um, and I'm not going to say he's a bad guy, but I'm going to say that he's not, he's, uh, not removed from operating above people, mm-hmm. um, some little arrogance, mm-hmm. um, and has people around him who believe it's their right to bully people, intimidate people. Mm-hmm. There's a significant population of people who are concerned about their jobs, their contracts, whatever it may be, and they're using that you know, to hold a certain level of rank and file in place, if you will. Um, and I, so at this point in time, I don't think the public necessarily knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they connect them with the fact that that pothole is Jim Kenney's pothole, <laughs> um, and understand that you, know, you can tweet about Donald Trump all day long, my pothole is Jim Kenney's responsibility. The dirty streets are Jim mm-hmm. Kenney's responsibility. The level of poverty is Jim Kenney's responsibility. That changes where people are. The senator is gaining some steam, but he's still a long-shot candidate. It's been over 60 years since an incumbent mayor was unseated, but Mr. Williams appears unfazed and is walking with faith, an appropriate phraseology for a man backed by dozens and dozens of preachers. Well, that's all I have for you today. Don't forget to follow me across social media at Flood the Drummer and subscribe to Drumming for Justice wherever you get your podcasts. And you know what? Consider supporting this independent media venture with a monthly pledge. Visit anchor.fm slash flood the drummer slash support. That's anchor.fm slash flood the drummer slash support to make a donation. And if you're an iPhone, iPad user, add technical line to your Apple News reader, which will allow you to read my writings on politics, culture, and sometimes professional wrestling. Until next time, I'm Flood the Drummer, and I'm drumming for justice. Thanks for listening.